Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. To go back and be willing to allow yourself to remember difficult things in your past, in your family, whatever it is, and to engage it and to be with it and to allow the story to be fully told is hard. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. I wanted to let you know that I have seen some wonderful reviews come in for the No More Perfect podcast, and I'm so grateful. So thank you. If you have rated, reviewed, and subscribed uh, to the podcast, thank you. If you've told someone else about uh, the podcast, thank you. Uh, Because honestly, that is how we encourage one another. So uh, I'm just so grateful for uh, this opportunity to hang out with you and to be able to just share important lessons learned, uh, talk with people who have stories to tell, and just to have the opportunity for us uh, to grow and to learn together. So today's episode is a little different. Um, My guest is not an author or a speaker. Uh, My guest is an everyday mom. She attended uh, my Empty Nest Full Life Retreat and uh, shared her story with me at the retreat. And afterwards, I asked her if she might be willing to share it for my Empty Nest Facebook group. And she said, sure, she was willing to do that. And then after we did the interview for the Facebook group, I thought, you know what, this is a story that needs to be shared on the podcast. And so that's what we're doing today. My guest is Katrina Cowan, and uh, you get to listen in on a conversation that Katrina and I had about her story. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Well, hello, everybody. And I am um, super excited about a conversation that I am going to have today with Katrina Cowan. And Katrina is a, a member of the Empty Nest Full Life Facebook group. She also attended the um, Nimpty Nestful Life retreat this fall. And when she was at the retreat, she shared just a little bit about her own Empty Nest journey, as well as her journey to understand her past and how it affected her present and what she wanted to do about that. And so after we had um, this conversation, I asked her if she might be willing to come on and share a little bit of her story and bring encouragement to others. And she said, yes. So welcome, Katrina. 
Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad to have you here. So first, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about your family. I'm married. My husband, David, and I have been married for 33 years and we live in central Kentucky. Uh, We have five young adult children from ages 31 down to 21. And uh, so we're mostly empty nesters. Our youngest is a senior in college. Uh, there's a chance she may bounce back a little bit, but, um, but pretty much empty nesters now. And uh, yeah, I was a stay-at-home mom for about 27 years. And I, I was a homeschool mom for about 16 of those years. Wow. So it's been quite a journey. <laughs> yeah. And quite a change for you to when they all were out of school and you probably were going, uh, what am I going to do with myself now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A lot of prayers went into that. Yeah. I bet. I bet. So Katrina, you were telling me at the empty nest full life retreat that several years ago at a hearts at home conference, you were in a workshop I was teaching and there was something that really touched your heart. Um, when I made mention of it, So I'm wondering if you would take us back to that day, what was said and how did God use that to literally change your life? Yeah. Yeah. And he did. And I guess I'd like to give a little bit of the backstory too, about how I even came to be at the hearts at home conference, because I, this, um, this would have been when I was around 40 and I'm 57 now. So 16, 17 years ago. Uh, At that time, all my kids were at home. I was still homeschooling, probably most of them. I don't remember their exact ages at that time, but it was a busy season of life. And my husband has a very busy career. And so for me to go away by myself on a weekend trip was a big deal. Uh And so I think I must have heard you speak on Focus on the Family. And that's how I found out about the, the Hearts at Home Conference. And it sounded like something that would be really edifying for me. And so we made the arrangements for childcare and, and I drove by myself. It was about a, I think a five, five and a half hour drive from where I live to where the conference was. And so again, it was kind of a big deal for me to branch out and do that. I just really felt like it's, you know, I I just felt compelled to do that. So. Mm -hmm. And for those that aren't familiar with Hearts at Home, um, Hearts at Home is a ministry that, uh, a ministry to moms that I led for 24 years. And our conferences were very large mom conferences. So they usually had anywhere from 4,000 to 6,000, 6,500 moms in attendance. So for you to come to a conference of that big, that size, and to come by yourself was probably pretty scary. Yeah, it was. Uh, It was, again, I just feel like I was led there. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoyed the conference very much. I love, I'm a learner. I love, um, you know, those kinds of things, being with other women, hearing about the topics that are, that are teaching me what I need to know at the time. And so I'm at the conference. I think it was probably may have been the last day of the conference. Um, I was sitting in a workshop and to be honest, I don't remember what the workshop was about. So I, no offense to you, but I don't remember the exact topic. <laughs> But I'm there in the uh, in the back of the room. I think the room was kind of dark, as I recall. The light was on you up front, and you were speaking about whatever the topic was. And then there was this little sort of parenthetical statement that you made. It was not 
specifically related to the topic at hand. Uh, but you began to speak about the issue of childhood sexual abuse and how common it was and how often people have been a victim of childhood sexual abuse and they don't really even realize it, that mm -hmm. it could be, you know, just something that's kind of a confusing memory. Maybe they don't, they didn't recognize it for what it was. And when you said those words, literally something like a little gear shifted in my brain. Wow. And I began to think about when I was a child, there was a situation that happened where I did not recognize it as abuse. Mm -hmm. I thought for the, you know, for the 38 years or whatever it had been since that time, I thought it was a game I agreed to play. And so for my entire life up to that point, I had a lot of shame, a lot of, um, a lot of guilt, a lot of self-condemnation about that, uh, a lot of bad feelings that did come up. They were, they were not in the past. They were mm -hmm. a part of my present life. And, um, and so I began to, to ask that question, was, was that abuse? And just really began to ponder that. I went home from that conference. I, um, I did tell my husband about it, mm -hmm. but we didn't really talk about it at the time. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I honestly just sat with that for about 10 years. Um, wow. I would, it would come up from time to time in my mind. I did over time begin to realize, yeah, that, that was abuse. Um, because that was not anything that I wanted to be involved in. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, your, your words and just your statement that again, I believe was spirit inspired because it was kind of this little, um, outcropping from your, from your topic. Uh, the Lord really used that to bring about that realization, that understanding, kind of that clarification right. in my mind. Wow. That is such, um, I mean, just from a speaker perspective to hear that I always have prayed before I speak, I've always prayed, Lord, I have sought you to prepare this message. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like you have led me where I need to go, but now Lord, you know, the needs in the audience and I don't. Mm -hmm. So if you need me to go off script, if you need me to tell a story, if you need me to make a statement that you know is needed, I just pray that I would, I would trust your voice and your leadership. And so that has always been a prayer that I have prayed before I have spoken anywhere. And to just know that it made a difference for you is huge, just huge for me. Yeah. And Powerful. it, yeah. So, so very, very powerful. So you kept that in. So really over that 10 years, what was happening is you were, you were just kind of coming to grips with the reality that, wait a minute, I actually had an experience and I have mislabeled it in my life and I've not understood it. And I really haven't even understood the impact it had on me. So at what right. point did you begin to understand the impact that had on you? Mm -hmm. What happened was around the time I turned 50, 
I went through a really difficult season, uh, kind of a Job season Mm -hmm. in my life when just a lot of difficult things happened. My mother passed away that year, and then our children were in various levels of education. Some were, one was out of college, couple were in college, couple were still in high school. Mm-hmm. And they just various ones of them started hitting a, some, some problems, some issues, some anxiety issues, some just life issues. And it was one of those seasons where we just felt like we were in, in the, in the ringer. I mean, there's just one thing after another was coming mm-hmm. up and it was very destabilizing. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I, um, it wasn't too long before we we went and talked to our pastor about it, and he was very understanding. and And then he recommended that we meet with a counselor. Mm-hmm. We didn't have anything against counseling, but we just we, we were not real familiar with it. Mm-hmm. We had not been to a counselor before, um, and so he recommended a counselor. We started meeting with him, and in the very first meeting with this counselor, as he was taking the background information we each shared some things. And one of the things I shared was about my abuse and I had never shared it with anyone other than my husband at that point. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so he very quickly said, I'm going to meet with each of you individually. (laughs) Mm. We realized there was, there was a lot there uh, that needed to be, you know, uh, mined before, before we met together. And so, and, and really the issue for us at that point was not a marriage issue. It was just grappling with these difficulties that we were having in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so, so I started meeting with this counselor and I met with him for about three years mm-hmm. every other week and began to work through the issue of the, the sexual abuse. And, and honestly, he was the person who really helped me to finally understand, yes, that was abuse. Uh, there was an age differential and a power differential there that um, qualifies that as abuse. And then the fact that you, you would not have willingly engaged in that. And so, um, so began to work through that with him and, um, began to just allow it to come to the surface and to, and to be seen and honored as part of my story and to see the effects that it had on, on my relationships, even in middle school, high school, college, on my marriage relationship, on my way of relating to myself and other people. Yes. Uh, it really is a pretty pervasive effect that it has. And mm-hmm. so I had to go back down to the, to really that ground level yes. and um, yeah, and really meet her where she was and, and extend a hand of welcome to her that she was, she was seen and heard and understood and not judged. And what was the result that began to happen in your life as well as in your relationships? Because you were willing to dig into that and explore it and better understand it and no longer allow it to have power over you. You didn't even realize it had power, but as you began to realize that, it, it you began to heal from that. What what changes happened for you? Well, I think one of the biggest changes was I became a truth teller because, you know, we all have, we all have a story and we all manage our story. Um, We don't always realize we're managing it, but I began to just be honest 
with myself about parts of my story and not gloss over it or make it pretty, tie a pretty bow up on it, but to just be honest about some of the brokenness that was there, some of the, the wounding and then the resulting sin, because, you know, we're, we're all both victims and villains. And Mm -hmm. um, so not only was there my wounding, but then there was the, the coping mechanisms I developed in order to handle the wounds which protected me at the time, but mm-hmm. later on weren't, weren't necessarily serving me well, but I was still, you know, had some of those walls in place, some of those, you know, things that I had learned to do to protect myself that were actually interfering with relationships later in life. Mm. And so there were a lot of changes. And honestly, I mean, so many, I probably couldn't name them all or put them all into words. And and it was over the course of, like I said, of a few years, mm-hmm. um, a lot of honest conversations with my husband um, and just a gradual willingness to be vulnerable with my story, with myself and with others and to name the harm that had been done to me, the harm that I had done to others. And mm-hmm. to, I think awareness is always the first step. I do too. When we have, yeah, when we can, when we are aware of what's going on mm-hmm. and aware of our part in it, mm-hmm. then, then even if it's been a default thing, like the elevator music in the background, like we didn't know it was even going on. Yes. But once we're aware of it, there's like a tiny little space in there for a decision. We can decide, okay, I recognize that I've always responded in this way. And this is why I've always responded in that way. But this time I'm going to choose to respond differently. Yes. And I'm going to choose to, you know, to be vulnerable or to be brave or, or just to tell the truth. Mark and I call that the why in the road, that we are at a mm-hmm. why in the road. And we can either go the old way, which is our ruts. Like we have ruts in that way because we've just had years and years of experience of handling life that way, but Mm -hmm. it is, but, or we can go the new way, which is a new way of thinking, a new way of understanding, even a new way of responding um, that makes, and then it often makes our relationships healthier because we bring Mm -hmm. a better us to the relationships. One of the things Mark and I often say when we're working with married couples, it was, we say, well, when I'm a better me, we're a better we. And, Mm. and that we could be, uh, uh, you know, your relationship with your kids, your relationship Mm -hmm. with a friend, your relationship in our case, we're usually talking about marriage, but it's, it's kind of who we bring and how we bring ourselves. And when we bring a healthier us, then all of our relationships are affected, right? Oh, I strongly agree. And I, and I think, you know, so often we're just operating without that awareness mm-hmm. that, that we are impacting our relationships or even that there's anything we could change, you know, that there's anything that's within our control to, to modify. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and I think, you know, the Lord brings that, that awareness when we're ready for it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so when I think of the empty nest season of life, which is the season that you and I are both in, it is where oftentimes these scenarios do get revealed or Mm -hmm. 
even if the scenario isn't revealed, unhealthy patterns are revealed because suddenly our kids aren't the buffer. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether we're talking about unhealthy patterns in marriage or even unhealthy patterns in our relationship with our kids, mm-hmm. because the role changes. And so the empty nest is often a season of time where awareness can take place or needs to take place. Wouldn't yes. you agree? I totally agree. Yeah. Because like you said, we have the time, we have the mental space yes. to engage. It is a very good time to begin to explore these things because you actually do have the margin, the emotional margin to be able to, to dig into it. And so uh, I think it is an, uh, an opportune time that if you have some history, or maybe even you grew up in an unhealthy home environment, um, you knew it. You've known that relationships with your mother or your family have been difficult, but you haven't exactly known why. Now is a good time to begin to dig into that because you've still got a lot of life ahead of you. And if you could handle that in a healthier way, it would change the dynamics of all of your relationships. And just knowing that change can happen, you know, I yes. think so often we, so often in our culture, more so in the past, I think it's getting better now with, with just normalizing, you know, talking about things, but, but if, if we don't really believe that there's any positive change possible, then we're probably not going to be very motivated to go there because it's unpleasant, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're naturally going to avoid anything that's unpleasant to go back and be willing to allow yourself to remember difficult things in your past and your family, whatever it is, and to, and to engage it and to be with it and to allow the story to be fully told is hard. Nobody wants to sign up for that. (laughs) Uh, Unless they have hope that on the other side, it could make a difference. Yes. And it can, and it does. Yes. Because you are a living testimony. There is a piece you mentioned and you haven't talked a whole lot about it, but you mentioned that you had experienced a lot of shame in your life Mm -hmm. as it related to that incident that happened, but you Mm -hmm. carried this shame. Mm -hmm. And when we carry shame into our adult years, uh, can you can you share with us a little bit about what that looks like for an adult that struggles with shame? And I, I know it can play out in lots of different ways, uh, yeah. but what what does that look like? Yeah, um, and I, one thing I'd like to say is one of the things I learned on my journey is that anytime there is a secret that's being harbored, mm. it has shame attached to it. Secrets mm. naturally, it's like a magnetic pull. They mm-hmm. naturally attract shame. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I was carrying that secret because I didn't want any, I didn't want anybody to know that about me. I thought it reflected poorly on me. I think that shame, you know, it's just like this. Uh, it's kind of like maybe having sunglasses on inside the house, darkening your perspective or I don't know. I guess there are probably any number of metaphors we could use, but I think oh, I like that one. I like that. 
Yeah, it's kind of this pervasive sense that like you're seeing through a lens, but you're not seeing clearly of who you are and what you bring to the world. And so you're constantly second guessing yourself, maybe making excuses for yourself, maybe, you know, selling yourself short, not, not trying, not speaking up. I think losing my voice was a big part. And I don't mean not being able to talk. I mean, not being, thinking that I had a viable voice in the room. Yes. And so I found myself just retreating a lot and staying quiet and um, not offering, you know, not, not really even believing that I had anything to offer or anything to contribute uh, to, to the greater conversation. Yes. And I think that's all just a direct impact of shame. Yes. And now, because you have gone through the healing process, you now know that you do have a voice and you now bring a different person to the relationships and you are experiencing a peace that you didn't have before. Right. Absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love and I love just seeing other people get to come to see their voice as well. You know, I'm a big advocate for finding your voice. Right. Well, and that leads to the the next question I have for you, because this journey actually gave you a vision for what God has for you vocationally in your empty nest years. Right. So can you share a little bit about that journey that you've been on and, and how you've gotten there and, and where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. So when I, um, early in our marriage, when we, when I met my husband, we, I was on a moving toward a completely different career. Okay. And I opted when we got married because it was a career that involved a significant investment of time and money of training. Uh, I opted not to complete that degree. And uh, we got married. We had a vision for starting a family. Uh, I, I worked for the first couple of years and then we started our family and I got to be home. So I, I say that to say that 27 years later or about that, when uh, my children were growing up, my youngest was uh, a junior in high school and I really began praying, you know, okay, Lord, I, I gave this career up for you. I mean, I, I laid it down because I, I believed in the vision you had for me, for my family. So now they're all grown up. So what do you got? What do you got for me now? That's kind of, that was kind of my, yeah. my, you know, posture before the Lord. And so the first thing he had to do was humble me <laughs> and let me know that he did not make a bargain with me. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it wasn't quite as transactional as I was seeing it to be. Um, so I had to just really, you know, fall on my face before the Lord and, and lay that down, lay that expectation down on the altar to say, okay, it might not be a professional career, even though I laid down a professional career before, Whatever you have for me, whether it's, you know, the humblest, lowliest place, I'll, I'll take it. Show me what you got. Mm-hmm. And so that was, um, that was all happening around the same time that I was in counseling and processing my own past um, issues in my marriage, issues in parenting, just a, a tremendous, like I said, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say it was a job season. It was a very, very difficult season. And I, for anyone who's watching this and who has young adult children who are struggling, can I just say, 
you're, you're in good company. Um, I think when it hits us, we all think we're the only ones. We're the only one. This is not the script I foresaw. Yes. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for, you know, and, and all the work I did and my devotion and my, you know, faithfulness as a parent. And I really thought A plus B was going to equal C and this is not the C I expected. And so just to know, yeah, yeah, it's rough. It's a rough mm-hmm. season or it can be. And mm-hmm. um, so I was in that season. I was in counseling. I was just really at a place where I, I, it was very clear to me that I was 100% dependent on the Lord and I had nothing to do, but to trust in him. Mm-hmm. truly blind faith. I did not know what was going to happen the next day or the next hour, just trusting in him that he was going to somehow redeem my mess. And so during that time, one day when I was meeting with my counselor, it kind of just kind of came to my mind that, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. I was so grateful for the work I had done with him and for the impact it was having on my life. And I began to think, why wow, this, this is a a career I could pursue at this point in life. And so just began to explore what that might look like, talking it over with my husband, you know, I honestly just looking at programs around me, like, you know, looking at finances, all those things to see what, what might this look like? And I just mm-hmm. began to kind of take little steps toward that, talk to a few friends, was uh, very affirmed by my dear friends that, yes, that would be a wonderful direction for you to take. And And so that's what I did. And I pursued uh, at the age of 51, I started grad school working on my master's in mental health counseling. And I finished at the age of 55 and the Lord has provided for me just a phenomenal um, small private practice to be a part of uh, a true, just spirit filled healing atmosphere Mm. And uh, so I'm now getting to work in the field and getting to walk with other people who are who are beginning to examine their own past and mm-hmm. question, you know, is it worth it? You know, should I should I really examine the past or should I just leave it in the past? Mm-hmm. And what I always say is if if you're asking that question, you know, it's probably not in the past. It's actually in your present. You're having intrusive thoughts. If you're having dreams, if you know, if you're aware that things that happened in the past are interfering with relationships, then it's not really in the past. Um, it's right there with you, and it's 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 holding its hand up and saying, "Hey, I need some attention over here. Can we address yes. this?" Oh, I love that. Such a reminder that it is never too late. It is yeah, never too late to. You know, I think a lot of times we get to this empty nest season of life and we think that it is too late or I didn't, you know, I let that thing go back as you did, you know, you let it go. And then the family came along and then now what do I want to do? And, you know, sometimes people then will pick that thing back up that they let go 25 Mm -hmm. years ago and others will do exactly what you've done and realize, wow, I have some, I have some different interests. I have some different experiences that I think I would actually like to apply now. So that's, I love that. And you've got, you, you got your degree at 55. I mean, you've got good 10 to 15 years that you Mm -hmm. will serve in this industry and that you will have the ability to help others. And 
So I, you know, I, it's not too late. And so I really mm-hmm. appreciate that. So just as we get ready to, to bring this to a close, um, if there was someone that has maybe just some uh, struggles, relational struggles, uh, maybe they're not even aware of how their past has affected their present. And, you know, we recently um, hosted a, a couple here uh, for one of our Hope Renewed Marriage Intensives. And when we began to talk about childhood and experiences, this particular woman had um, grown up in a very unhealthy home environment. And then it, and it included abuse. It also included abortion. And as we began to dig into this and examined how it, how all of those experiences caused her to think about herself and then caused, she brought that thinking into the relationships that meant the most to her, you know, her parenting relationships and her marriage. And, you know, we just really encouraged her at the end of that weekend uh, that she probably should consider going home and just starting to explore those things. And I just talked to her recently and she said, I would have never done that if you hadn't brought Mm -hmm. them. Like she didn't realize they were having challenges in their marriage and both of them were contributing Mm -hmm. to that, but she didn't realize how much of those experiences were coloring the challenges. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who maybe, you know, they are experiencing discontentment or frustration or recurring challenges in relationships, but they're not aware of anything from their past at all. And what would you, you know, how would you encourage someone like that? Well, I think, I think again, awareness is the first step. And so that really begins with asking ourselves questions, you know, Mm -hmm. What, what is my experience day to day? What is my sense of satisfaction with my life um, and with my relationships, you know, on a scale of one to 10, mm-hmm. <laughs> how satisfied am I um, in, in my life or my work or my relationships or my family? Um, and to just begin to sort of allow ourselves to sit in that mm-hmm. and ask some questions Hmm, what does that mean? I'm, I'm noticing I respond this way, or I'm noticing this person triggers me and gets me agitated really quickly, or, you know, this child or whatever it is. Yes. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that might be connected to. Just mm. begin to ask yourself some questions, allow yourself to sort of pause and and be mm-hmm. with whatever's happening instead of just immediately responding in, in the way that we, in our default way that we, like you said, those ruts. Yeah. Journaling is an excellent tool for a lot of people to gain insight and clarity. So if you, if you're a journaler, you know, some people really have concerns about journaling because it can be discovered and then, you know, uh-huh. potentially that would be very embarrassing, but there are, there are apps. I think, I think it's called diary. There are apps that you can create a journal online that are, it's password protected. So it's safe mm-hmm. if that's a concern, but um, just beginning to write, you know, make a, make a timeline of your life yes, from zero to now and maybe in decades or whatever with, 
with your most significant memories and put the positive memories above the line and the negative memories below the line and, and just, you know, look at your life, examine your life. And so I think that's a good starting place just to, to kind of sit with your story and figure out what are, what are the, you know, allow, allow enough time and space, as you said, enough margin to even identify some things that might be issues. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Number two, recognize that you deserve care. Mm. Like if your best friend was struggling, you would want for her to receive care. But so many of us have a really hard time giving that to ourselves because we have to be strong for someone. We have to, you know, we have to continue to work hard. We have to continue to lead the family. We have to continue to, you know, whatever it is, we don't have time to slow down and, or, you know, can't afford to meet with a counselor or whatever it is, but just all that can be worked out. But just the first thing is to recognize that you do deserve care. And, and that can come in a lot of different ways. And then the third thing is, is to move toward that mm-hmm. with a desire to just bring more wholeness and mm-hmm. more authenticity into your life. And of course, when you start the journey, you, you can't know what the end point is going to be. Most of us don't like that. We like certainty. Mm-hmm. We like, you know, Google Maps gives us the exact destination where we're going and, and that's good. When you start this healing journey of examining your past, you, you, you don't know exactly where it's going to come out. Very true. You kind of have to develop some, I guess, distress tolerance <laughs> to, to be able to sit with that and, and just be with that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. But with the goal of health and wholeness on the other side. Yes. Even though you don't know exactly what that means, we, most of us know that we desire, especially if we're in a place that's difficult, we know we desire something else. And so that something else might be peace. um, It might be an internal joy. It might be um, not living with this shame or feeling like there's something wrong with us all the time. That's really the ultimate goal that we're working for. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to experience Mm -hmm. that kind of healing. I mean, he will provide it in heaven, but he would like for us to experience it on this side of heaven too. I agree. agree. (laughs) What a joy it is when, when we do, when we do reach that healing. And of course, you know, I just want to say, I think our healing journey is probably like ongoing for our whole lives. I agree. Like we are not going to be perfect on this side of, of heaven. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to set up an unrealistic expectation for anybody. There's always going to be struggles, but, but you're always, I think that you uh, grow in self-awareness, right? Yes. You just grow in self-awareness and you get to a place where you feel so much better about yourself, but you never stop growing. You never right. stop learning. You never even stop looking through the lens of, you know, of your experiences and how they've formed you. Yeah, shaped you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both good and hard. Exactly. So, uh, well, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us, but also mm-hmm. to share, you know, how God has brought you to the other side and what he's done with it. And the vision for those empty nesters that are listening and watching that it's never too late to explore 
new possibilities and what God wants to do with that encore season of our lives. Yes. Yeah. It's never too late to, to be curious about what might be next for you. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Would you be comfortable closing in prayer and just praying for those that are listening or watching? Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity today to talk, to share stories, um, to be truth tellers and Mm -hmm. to know that you, your word goes out um, in ways that we don't see or understand. And yet you are able to use even our words today to, to cause someone to begin to reflect on their own story and to begin to become a truth teller and to recognize that they, they get to decide what they will do with their story. Mm -hmm. And so we just pray that your spirit would be with every person listening today, that it would be an opportunity to um, have curiosity and compassion for themselves and no judgment, but to allow you to begin working in their lives in Mm -hmm. ways that will bear fruit both now and for eternity. We commit this time to you. We're so thankful for it. I ask your blessing on each person here and I ask your blessing on Jill and her wonderful work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.